In the year 2026, archaeologists working in the Nevada desert discovered a portal to an ancient city on Mars. They call this portal the Ark. Twenty years later, we're still struggling to understand why it was built and what happened to the civilization that built it. Hello and welcome, welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a podcast. We talk about movies and we find a movie that one of us hasn't seen. And that's what we talk about. And this week, we are talking about the 2005 Doom. That's D-O-O-M, by the way. Uh, I had a lot of people, um, well, not a lot of people. The two people that I talked to about what I'm doing upcoming were like, Dune? No, Doom. Dune? Doom? Couldn't, it was way too confusing. And it doesn't help that we did Dune, like, what? A month ago? Um, Something like. Yeah. So uh, joining me this week, I have Keith. Yo. And uh, also Christina. Hello. Hi. Uh, AJ. How's it going? Good. And Josh. Oh, yeah, that's me. Hey. Yep. Uh, Our biggest panel yet um, for uh, Doom, apparently. The biggest movie yet. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Uh, so, yeah, this movie came out in 2005 based on the video game, um, if you didn't <laughs> know that already, supposedly based on the video game. Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit more um, because it's not what I would call a faithful adaptation of that game. Um, oh, what are <laughs> you even, talking about? I, I wouldn't even call it a spiritual adaptation <laughs> of the game. The you story of a title? <laughs> Just to minorly jump ahead for a moment i looked at the trivia on imdb Mm -hmm. there were 32 points of trivia and the very bottom one says based on a video game with the same title like (laughs) this is not trivia and also this is the very last piece of trivia yeah uh you kind of buried the lead there because it was marked as a spoiler (laughs) <laughs> no, it was just before the two spoilers, which were repeats of previous trivias that were posted. Yeah. Uh, so I I saw this movie in the theater. Um, this is I've yep. seen this movie maybe three or four times now. Um, if have okay, AJ, had you seen this before? I had not. All right, Christina, you had. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, I saw yeah. it in theaters as well. No, I I I'm pretty certain I'd know your movie tastes enough to know whether or not you've seen something like this. <laughs> Um, oh, am I that obvious? <laughs> you know, maybe. Um, Josh, had you seen this before? Yeah, I saw it in the theater, too. Okay. And then, Keith, you hadn't. No, just one of those ones that had slipped through the cracks. Yep. Well, Keith, you wa- you watched it with me for the yeah. first time that you ever saw it. So um, Yeah. To be well, fair, how long was it in the theaters? Um, what What's the runtime? An uh, hour and 44. So, like, an hour and 50? No, I mean, how long? Oh, I get what you're saying. Mm. It was probably it was probably only in the theater for a couple weeks. What's interesting is it it's not like it was a huge bomb, um, but it definitely. Well, no, I take that back. They almost it was. doubled their money. No, they didn't almost double their money. They uh, they they halved their money. They almost halved their money. Yeesh. This had a budget estimated budget of sixty million dollars. Oh, sorry. It made in I the U.S. Looking, yeah, it made twenty-eight million in the U.S. I was I was looking at 
the opening weekend gross and thinking that was the budget. And that's how I came up uh, to double. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. If it would have looked up a little higher, mm-hmm. the budget was 60, not 15. Okay. Now, here's an interesting thing. So last week's movie was Miami Vice, and we talked about that, and that movie cost $135 million to make the next year. That was 2006. <laughs> so this movie, just... this movie was half the budget of Miami Vice a year earlier, and I'm sorry, but visually at least, this looks better. Yeah, I, I, it really I did. think they got a huge discount because The Rock hadn't learned to do the eyebrow thing yet. <laughs> oh, he was credited as just The Rock. There was no Dwayne, there was no Johnson. First of all, okay, first of all, AJ, Johnson's eyebrow. I need to tell you how wrong you are about that, because he'd been doing the eyebrow for several years prior to this movie. Yeah. But he wasn't Dwayne Johnson, the Hollywood star yet. This was like the second or third movie that he did, I think. Um, uh, this one would have been, I believe, the one right after Scorpion King. <laughs> that classic yeah well you know early on he was getting the you know the arnold schwarzenegger type roles um that was what he i mean in the rundown they have the whole passing of the torch shot right in the beginning of it with arnold walking by telling him to have fun um and uh you know that's what he was doing at this point so and this this is very much a you know had this been made 15 to 20 years earlier it would have been arnold uh leading because it's basically the predator it's very, yeah. it's yeah, very by the numbers. That was one of the predator. things I noticed right away. Mm-hmm. It was that oh, this this feels just like any of the old Schwarzenegger action movies. I know what I'm in for. <laughs> I'm set, and because of that, I feel that that really helped me enjoy the movie. Yeah, it was Scorpion King, The Rundown, then he... Walking Tall, then Doom. No, okay. I'm sorry. You're 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 wrong here because he was in Be Cool. It was a small part, but he was in Be Cool, and well, I like to know that because I enjoyed Be Cool. Yes, but we're talking about like Dwayne Johnson vehicles. Like he's in Be Cool, but you know that's like saying uh, I don't know. I mean, yes, he's in it, but that wasn't a a movie starring The Rock. This was a movie like, starring The Rock, Walking Tall. Okay. You know, okay. It's like Fear and Loathing was a Tobey Maguire movie. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That works. Darn it, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so let's talk about the cast a little bit because it was heavily marketed with The Rock. I remember that. I remember all the marketing was about The Rock. And, uh, you know, it was. It was coming off the heels of um, of Scorpion King and then the rundown, which I saw the rundown in the theater. I saw Walking Tall in the theater, I think, too. Um, yeah, I did. I know that. Those and are then, both and then decent movies. Yeah, absolutely. They? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Rundown is a ton of fun because oh, yes. it doesn't... Oh. Uh, Hello? Oh. Lost, uh, lost audio there for a second. Um, no, The Rundown was a ton of fun. Uh, it was uh, just... It didn't take itself too seriously. And then um, Walking Tall is a lot better than I think some people give it credit for. Um, I think it was really good. I don't know. That was pretty solid. Oh. Oh, you should that's that's a fun one. So, yeah, and then this this movie came out uh, again, like I say I saw it in the theater and it was heavily marketed for that, but uh, it also had coming off of the strength of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um Carl Urban, um who mm. you know, Carl Urban ends up being your your hero in this movie. Um and I think he was fine. You know, he didn't have a lot to work with, but he certainly I I enjoy Carl Urban and this is, you know, early on he hasn't fully gotten like kind of his uh his style down yet he you know this is what four years before he did 
Star Trek. Um, mm. But the rest of the cast is almost all... Um, in fact, The Rock is the only American in the movie. Uh, the rest yes. of the cast is all from the UK or Australia or New Zealand and doing pretty bad accents. You can tell <laughs> that they're European or Australian doing an American accent. Um, the worst of which was probably Rosamund Pike as Sam Grimm. See, I I think it's good that her and Carl Urban were siblings in this movie because they kind of exist in a different space than every other character in the movie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, my, my only think... issue was that, well, aside from the fact that, you know, like like when she was in um, The World's End, she constantly looks like she's just been startled. Right. <laughs> Lots of screaming in this movie. No, I'm just talking well, like her that, eyebrows. That kind of works with this movie because she's startled in almost every scene, though, isn't she? It's true, well, but she just con- she has this constant look of like, ugh, all the time. When, the, and, when but... the guy was ramming his head into the window, it's like, ram your head. Ah! Ram yep. his head. Ah! Yeah. Ram his head. Ah! I'm like, okay, you By can't the third the one, you should shock. be expecting it. Right. <laughs> I don't, it's just Are her... Add the movie out? Yeah, her accent was was bad like just let her have her english accent it's fine you don't have to explain it but it was like okay i'm sorry i gotta play this because it just where'd it go this this clip this is her doing an american accent excuse me but i have orders to retrieve data from three servers anthropology forensic archaeology and genetics i'm sorry that ain't passing for american like they had her put a Ritz cracker on her tongue. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, You've got a Ritz cracker on your tongue, but you can't chew it. And go. <laughs> Savas. What's interesting is, and this, this is this is a huge surprising twist. Um, if anyone's seen Chernobyl, they made a conscious decision with that uh, to basically let all of the talent speak accent they didn't force them to speak russian and, and they mm-hmm. realized audiences will just accept it and they don't have to speak fake russian right so it's like they could have just done that with this and they would have been fine absolutely so, it's far enough doing with chernobyl yeah well, I mean, you could also go back further and say hunt for the red october sean oh, connery yes. playing a russian captain he can't do a russian accent the oh, only I... accent Sean Connery can do is Sean Connery. Yeah. Exactly. Sean and people just Connery. go, yeah, whatever. Okay, keep going. No. Well, they I... handled that very well, though, with the push in and then the pullback. Yeah, is... no, they they did that well. But, that you know, that's that's Sean Connery. And he <sighs> had the clout to be, just be like, I'm just going to do Sean Connery. I mean, his Irish sounds exactly like his Scottish. Sounds exactly mm. like his um, Egyptian. Bond, British. Yeah, his <laughs> British. It doesn't matter. He's just being Sean Connery. But I... <sighs> I would have liked for them to have done this in this movie because then it wouldn't like Richard Brake, who was Portman. He does an okay American accent, that real sleazy cheat, you know, creeper accent that he can do. Um, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just, I mean, he's just greasy. Like you just looking at him, you want to go take a shower, but uh, the rest of them, it's like, just let them have their normal accent. Even Dexter Fletcher, the guy who played pinky, you know, I know him Ooh. from, I remember him from Lockstock and two smoking barrels. Like just oh, let, yeah. let the dude, just do his accent because his his uh, American accent wasn't great either. Um, and uh, interesting note, real quick, I did find out. So he's a director now um, as well, and he just directed Rocket Man. Oh, okay. I had no idea um, until I was looking up stuff for this movie. Haven't seen him in much lately. That explains it, though. <laughs> he's yeah. directing. Um, but I mean, overall, the cast is the cast. Like, 
outside of Roseman Pike, Carl Urban, and The Rock, it's cookie cutter. You know, it's mm-hmm. because this movie is just a paint by numbers trope fest um, <laughs> of yes. like every every tropey thing you can put into a movie that has to do with uh, action and hunting something down and team of Marines, uh, right down to the contractual obligation that if you have a team of military, a military unit of any kind, one of them will be called Mac. Yep. And, it, and it doesn't matter if that person is Irish or Scottish or in some way would have Mac as a shortened version of their name. Uh, you will have a Mac. And in this case, they just sort of shoehorned it into the uh, the Japanese feller, which admittedly was kind of a funny moment where he's like, you don't look like a Mac, but still, you know, kind of forced. Then he gives the name and he's like, you know what? Mac will do just fine. Yeah. Does that name have any significance? Because I know like some of the trivia stuff, like I know some of the doctor's names were people who worked on the games. And so I don't know, like, if this was like, oh, we want to fit this. Not to Japanese. my knowledge. It would make sense if that's how they did it, but absolutely, if they just randomly put it in there, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I think they just randomly put it in there. I have no knowledge that they did anything else. Although I do, you're, you're right in that they had like Dr. Carmack was cool because John Carmack was the, you know, one of the creators of the game. Um, so it was, that was some nice little fan service in there. Pinky. Um, well, Pinky, yep. so yeah, they, they shoehorn in a, a character named Pinky. Um, yeah and uh you know so because they have the that character in the game um the that monster but uh i mean overall you know there's nothing special with the the cast really i do like richard brake i do like carl urban you know they're fine they're serviceable there's there's nothing bad they weren't bad like there wasn't anybody that was just overtly terrible but they also didn't really have much to do i mean destroyer uh that character has like three lines, I think, in th- throughout the entire movie. You know, yeah. they, I, the first like walk the around very... with a gun and then you die. That's yeah. your part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ver- the very first note I wrote uh, when the Rock walks in and it's like they're doing the the guys hitting oranges with yeah. his bat, and mm-hmm. playing an old video game, and I I'm, I'm just looking at this and I'm like, I hate every single one of these characters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, they're all going to die, and I don't care. <laughs> well, and, you know, they're all calling each other by their their last name or everything, and then you get John. It's like, well, okay, I know who my hero is. Like, he's the yeah. one that's going to live throughout the movie. Cause well, he they call a... him Reaper. Well, they call him, they call him Reaper, but they call him John to start. Sarge, you know, The Rock yeah. calls him John. And so it's like, yeah, okay, well, there's your, your hero. Um also, real quick, a small role for Doug Jones in this, and I always like to bring up Doug Jones whenever he shows up in something. You, you don't see him because he's in a costume, yeah. but he's awesome and should always, always get all the credit that uh, that he can because he's amazing. Uh, he Was played he... the he played the imps, like two of them, I think. Yeah. Now, when I saw his name in the credits, I was like, "Oh, I mean, it makes sense," but I'm like, obviously, I didn't see him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's. Okay, so we we kind of hit all of the tropey military uh, unit characters, right? You've got the, um, you know, the the stoic uh, kind of hard ass like destroyer. You got the the one that's always making jokes. That's Duke. Um, you've got the kid who they you know the rookie just called the kid. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got. Uh, Portman is your your sleazeball guy. There's always got to be one. Uh, this was a much more, I would say, because throughout watching this movie, like I, I 
keep thinking back to um, Predator. It's is because that's kind of the the gold standard for this type of unit in a movie, in my opinion. Um, it really is. Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Alien and Aliens, but not to the full extent. More Predator than those, but yeah, team wise. Yep. Nope. I get what you're saying there. And so you know, like Predator even had that kind of sleazy guy. But he was more, I mean, Hawkins was more of, like, funny, but, like, off-color. Whereas, you know, Portman in this is just straight-up, like, greasy, bad-looking bad, bad teeth, and just everything out of his mouth is, you know, I don't want to be here, I don't like this. What's funny is the line that uh, when they're looking down in that holding cell and Goat's like, wait, you've never done time? Like, ah, uh-huh, he's, he's done some time. There's no way that dude hasn't spent some time in jail. Yeah, and it's not that he's just creepy he's creepy with zero hesitation. Yeah. Oh, I know. He walks in and starts just oozing and it's like, (laughs) unrepentant creepiness. Well, you know, he stopped being creepy to go be creepy with other people. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's one thing when he's like that, when he, you know, when, when they're all hanging out in their, um, their little locker room there, you know, and he says something like this. I'm going down to El Hanto. I'm going to lock myself in a motel room. With a bottle of tequila and three she boys. <laughs> You're sick, man. You know that's one thing because that's like it's bad, it's creepy, it's it's gross, but it's also with all his friends. But then as soon, like the second they get to the location, he's creeping up on all the women. Mm-hmm. Like immediately, and you're right, with no hesitation at all. So that you know. Obviously, he's not being written to be a likable character, but he certainly was not likable, and he yeah. he hasn't aged well either. The, this whole thing was basically just exposition on its sleeve. Because <laughs> you were talking about the character names, and I'm like, how do we know their names? Oh, because there's a whole sequence of our guns talk to us and yep. tell us what our names are. <laughs> yep, that was like, okay, it's trope alert. Let's, let's go so through the rundown. Check. <laughs> it was. It was like not subtle at all. Now... They do make that one joke, which I do appreciate, where she says, Reaper, you mean like Grimm? He's like, they're Marines, not poets. Yeah. So well, I feel like a better movie wouldn't have connected those two points for you. They would have just let you figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably right. I mean, you're not wrong. I, I will say that. Um, there were a few others of those. The one that I I really liked was right when The Rock's character, you know, quote unquote, died like 30 minutes before the end. And, and if you look, he goes, I'm not supposed to die. And it's like almost breaking the wall. Not quite, but it's, it's just like that, that, that was, that was funny. Well, I I appreciated that little bit. Yeah. It does does fit his character. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) The movie's kind of, Oh, go ahead. ahead. In a weird way. It's not, you can't say that like the movie was trying to be serious and then failed because like it winks at the audience and it's self-aware to an extent that you're like, or just like the Grim Reaper thing. I actually wrote a note about that. And then when they called it out in the movie, I was like, oh, they they know what they're doing with this. They're not just trying to be smart. OK, yeah. so they're holding your hand and they're kind of just pointing at like to your left. You will see the rock being taken away to your right. You will see a big fucking gun like <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I, I that, that was another thing. I really enjoyed the, uh, you know, on the screen it says Bioforce gun because I always remember, you know, whatever it was on the screen, you know, they, they figured out a way to make it the BFG without 
you know, saying big fucking gun. But yeah. you knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I mean, the writers, so the people behind the camera, they're not terrible. You know, one of the writers worked on um, this, and then he went on to do The Expendables, um, Godzilla. Uh, he actually worked on Jean-Claude Van Johnson for a while, that, that series, which I've yet to see, but I hear is kind of good. Um, he wrote the screenplay for Wonder Woman 1984. Which that'll come out uh, next year. So the other writer, so they had two writers, and the other writer worked on things like the Man in the High Castle series, um, the reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, that's not it's not great. <laughs> that the, Wonder Woman title just seems like an interesting crossover piece to me. Yeah, um, I, also, I thought they had all women writing the wonder woman movie well it's got david callahan listed um hmm. and then the director andre Gar- barkoviak uh i think i'm pronouncing that right it ends in a j but i'm gonna go with andre um he okay so he really got started as a cinematographer um and you can kind of see that in this movie because it is lit really well um you get especially given how dark the the subject matter is like lit light wise you know, it's it taking place in like uh, a shut down facility, all that kind of stuff. So he did a good job lighting it. And, you know, he had worked on things like um, Falling Down and Species and Dante's Peak and U.S. Marshals. He was the director of photography for all those. As a director, um, he did in a row, mind you, Romeo Must Die, Exit Wounds and Cradle to the Grave. So it's like, OK, martial arts, martial arts, martial arts. Um, and then he did Doom. Uh, then it was Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li, which was a real <laughs> step down. Because <laughs> I don't know if any of you have seen that movie, but if you haven't, don't save, save it. Video I saw for, it. It was free. I, <laughs> they made a second Street Fighter movie. Just yeah. yeah, it's best if you just don't think about wow. it. It's not really even connected to the Jean Claude Van Damme Street Fighter movie. It kind of yeah. exists on its own. Yeah, it's and, not and at all. And I imagine both are like this, where they kind of pay tribute to the video game because they use its name. They use some character no, names, no. and that's about it. <laughs> no, they actually tried to use Chung Lee's story for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a good movie. And then he directed something called Maximum Impact. Wait a minute. That was a movie I made that's, back in 97. <laughs> it's because Ian and Joe and I made that movie in like 11th grade. We made a movie called Maximum Impact, and we named it that because we took the title of two Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and just smushed it together. <laughs> they did the same. So, huh, I'm going to have to find that. Um, so, I mean, again, the director knew how to how to be a cinematographer. He has a good look. I think the movie looked okay. Um, coming back to what I said earlier, it looked better than Miami Vice, in my opinion. Um, oh, it did. Yeah, I mean, the movie is visually stunning. It's just they took away a lot of the gaming aspects from the game, the story from the game, and just shuffled it around and took the demons out. Okay, so yeah. I that's I wanna I wanna really talk about that because video games have a very checkered past when being adapted into movies. And there's yet to really be what I would call a really good film that's based on a video game property. Super Mario Brothers. You're laughing. <laughs> uh, I am still mad that I spent that money, that part of my allowance, at Blockbuster to rent that movie. I am still mad about that. 
to this day. But the, the Sorry, thing I about derailed you. Go ahead. No, no, no. The the thing about that is like some of the early ones. So you had Super Mario Brothers. You had Double Dragon. You had Street Fighter. They Mortal were Kombat. even Mortal Kombat. The, those were games that didn't have a lot of a story or a narrative to them to begin with. So you had, and the people that were making them didn't grow up playing games. They were, they, mm. I mean, Super Mario Brothers came out in 91, I think. And the NES had only been around for six years. So even if you were a fan of it, it wasn't something that was ingrained in you. Like, yeah. like somebody that's making a mo- you know, a movie based on a property like that now. So I can kind of get why some of the early ones, especially, really had a hard time creating a narrative. But Doom, even the early versions of Doom, had some story to them. And by the time this movie came out, they had yet other games in the in the franchise that had story to them. And they kind of they just took they took the name and there's no real characters to speak of uh that I that I recall. I mean there's monsters, but they took basically the name of Doom and the idea that it's on Mars and that was about it. Yeah, but so that was a I I, I had a note about that cuz the game, I mean, thinking to the... I mean, I think most of this visually, especially, was based off Doom 3. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, going back to, like, the original Dooms, like, just because it's colored pixels, like, it wasn't this dark, atmospheric, creepy horror thing. It's like, you're running into rooms and shooting at everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's more action. Like, there's scares because you turn corners and stuff. But, like, it wasn't so much a horror thing until, like, Doom 3 and, like, some of the later games made it that way. True. And, and so, like... That... But that was more of a technological limitation. <coughs> I'm sure that if they had the technology to to make things scary or spooky back oh, then, they Hill. would have. Silent Hill is a good example for that. But mm-hmm. well, what, what I was going to say was... Is... And also another terrible movie adaption. The first... The, the, the Silent Hill movie is probably one of the most authentic game adaptations for the yeah, first I was gonna like, say, that hour. That one sticks to the story very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... It falls apart, but... <laughs> it it, it kind of... It it, yeah, it does fall apart pretty hard. Yeah. But no, what I was going to say was, like, basically, if they had just... If this movie had been we got this message that something happened on Mars and we need you to go and, it's, and figure it out, and it was just them systematically moving through Union Aerospace, whatever's facility killing a bunch of stuff it was more of an action movie than a horror movie i think it would have been more enjoyable and you wouldn't agree all the elements and i think it was movie people trying to make a game movie than making it more like the game i think you're you're probably not too far off base there i also think that stripping the movie of the the hell elements Mm. that were part of the game i think hurt it a lot because if you want to strip that stuff out but you do like what you're saying and you make it kind of a straight-up action movie, it's closer to the original Doom game, and you can you can get away with that. There's just monsters, and you don't really have to explain why there's monsters there. It's just there's monsters there. But I think when you, you're, you're more closely trying to, quote-unquote, base it on Doom 3, and you're pulling some of the more horror elements out of it, and then you strip all of the, the demonic part of it completely, whether that, and that, that was a, a choice that was made. Because yeah. they do have that kind of, we're going to mention, you know, oh, this place is hell, and oh, you got to fight your demons and all that, like, allusions to it, but that's not the same thing. And I, I think that, in a way, hurts it. Now, they are working on a new movie that will come out later this year called Doom Annihilation that is supposed to not 
shy away from that aspect of the the story. Um, yeah. Who knows how good that's going to be? Because uh, I did do a little bit of research on that one, and let me pull it back up. Um, go ahead and talk for a minute. I, I just want to let you know who wants why... to place bets on, on whether or not you know, like in football, they do the over under. We can do the same thing with whether they make their money. Do they break even? You know, anyone hmm. want to put a five spot on the over under on that? I think well, it's, I, I think I need bro. to hear who's who's going to be in this before Nobody's. I. Oh, nobody you've ever heard of. <laughs> but nobody I've ever heard of. Not but that's, that might be good though because safe money's going to say under then. But then again, you know, I, I don't think it's going to pull a Lord of the Rings where they went for a bunch of lesser known actors aside from Sir Ian McClellan. Um, well, Ian McKellen, but also um, Elijah Wood was pretty well known by that point. Sean Astin, yeah. Sean Astin yeah. was well known. Sean Bean. <laughs> Sean Bean. Yeah, that that's he, Lord of the Rings was not a bunch of unknowns. This is um, all right. Let me run down a cast list for you in Doom Annihilation, which is coming out in 2019. Uh, are you ready for this? Such household names as Amy Manson, Nina Bergman, Louise Mandler, Kate Nichols, Dominic Mathham. Mathham? That can't be right. That's got to be a typo. That's a made-up name. Luke, Luke Allen Gale. No, you've never heard of any of these people. Um, it's supposed to... No, they don't list what the the uh, uh, budget is for it. But the director is Tony uh, Giglio. Let me give you an idea of some of the stuff that he has directed. Um, and this is why I have trepidation about this movie. He's got eight directing credits to his name. And they are In Enemy Hands, Chaos... Timber Falls, Extraction, <laughs> and Doom Annihilation. I don't recognize any of those actors. <laughs> yeah. Um, to be fair, so the, the other he, thing that he, Travis forgot was that um, it, this comes out on October 1st and is scheduled to be released on Blu-ray, DVD, and HD digital. It's not even going to hit theaters. Um, oh. Well, still, uh, yeah, and that makes sense given if you look at some of the stuff that this guy's written because he's also yeah. been a writer, uh, quote-unquote. Um, but she also wrote this three, yes, yeah, two, death three race, of the Death three. Race movies. <laughs> Soccer Dog, the movie. <laughs> um, he wrote. That's he, kind of a departure from you know. He wrote the Saint <laughs> TV race. movie that came out in 2017, which is one of the worst reviewed things I've ever read. Like which one? The Saint. It came out in 2017. Oh. It was a made-for-TV movie, and. Uh, that had like no good. No one had anything good to say about that. Was so, that also based off the old TV show? Yes, yes, it was. Okay. I think the uh, the idea was they wanted to turn it into a, a series, and then somebody saw it, and they're like, <laughs> you know what? No, we'll just put this out as a standalone movie and call it a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I don't have high expectations for the Doom Annihilation movie, and and I did not realize that it is not getting a theatrical release. So that is lowering my expectations even more i might enjoy it now because i'm not going to have any expectations for it but the bar is low enough to trip over <laughs> we should yeah. do a live commentary we should just like play it and then we're not we're not going to do a standard up podcast what we're going to do is like a live riff track uh, i'd be up for that we could do that <laughs> but it's only going to be played in theaters right <laughs> well, the riff track, track not the actual yeah. movie yes <laughs> right you have to go home to watch the movie but the commentary no. <laughs> Okay, so so we've talked a little <laughs> bit about some... Movie was. We're talking about all this nonsense. Oh, yeah. Well, so we've talked about some video game movies, but, you know, there, there have been a couple of movies based on video games that I think are 
okay. They're enjoyable. I do think that this movie was enjoyable. Laura Croft? Tomb Raider. I I mean, it's hard to say that it sticks to the storyline because it's a very thin story even in the video game from the couple I've played. And really, it was Angelina Jolie wearing a tight shirt and shooting guns. But, like, I don't know. They, They made money. It seemed somewhat relevant. Even the most recent one, I think, did at least okay. Okay. I would go ahead and throw that one out there as, like, not bad at least. Here's my question for you then, AJ. Aside from Angelina, jo- Angelina Jolie in a tight shirt shooting guns, what do you remember about that movie? Or either of them? Either of the two uh, Tomb Raider films, not counting the newest one. Illuminati. Yeah, like kind of a Indiana Jones-esque. We're on some sort of, you know, thing that's not you really relevant. specific moments, though? You, you, you don't. You know why? Because they're not that good. I, I remember one specific moment. What's John that? Voight was in the first one. John Voight was in it. Other, who she didn't, didn't get along with for a long time. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm how about this? The movie itself. <laughs> how about this? Do any of you remember the fact that not only was Daniel Craig in one of those movies, Vaguely. he was he was in the first one doing again a horrible American accent, but <laughs> in the second one, it was Gerard Butler. I vague recollection. <laughs> So um, I don't recall those. That's fine, AJ. If you want to make that your choice, uh, I, I can go for that. Anybody else? I'm I mean, struggling to find better ones. Come on now. Well, I would what go. We I honestly, I would go with the Silent Hill. I think Silent, the first Silent Hill movie was actually it, it stuck with the story of the game. It was competently made. Uh, it certainly wasn't dead or alive. That was terrible. It's not. Uh, don't get me started that. on that movie. It wasn't Blood Rain. <laughs> It's not Sonic the Hedgehog. So, um, how about what, did anyone else see Warcraft the beginning? I, I liked the, the first Warcraft movie. I thought it was okay in the theater, in a big screen. The one time it I was, thought it was pretty. I will say it was pretty. <laughs> it he, was slow. It was long, but it was. But so is so is leveling a WoW character. <laughs> So Keith, you the WoW movie gave you a and boot now we have you Twitch. Jump yeah. the last ten minutes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Pay more to skip the movie. So Pain. Keith, you brought up uh, Blood Rain and uh, Uwe Boll movies do not count because none of those are any good at all because he's a complete hack and alone in the dark. With what Christian about Stone. Resident Evil? Yeah. He did what such people... a bad job with that movie that they stopped making games for that series. <laughs> yeah. His movie killed a game series. <laughs> Yeah, that's impressive. Um, who did what, he, like? Do I golf clap for that? What <laughs> I mean, it is an accomplishment. Oh, wow. um, oh what if you think about the Resident Resident Evil? Because like, there's a ton of games, and I think they're just like making the movies every couple of years for the fun of it. Well, a little bit, but I mean, that's Paul W.S. Anderson, and he actually did what I was going to choose as the video game adaptation that I think was the enjoyable movie, and that's Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah. Not Resident Evil. <laughs> no, I didn't. I I saw the first Resident Evil. I think I went and saw that in the theater. It was all right. It wasn't bad at all. Um, this, I've oh, seen three of them, and I don't seven. know if there's more. Oh, Eight. yeah. There's, yeah. I've seen every single one of them. I, they're a guilty pleasure. <laughs> this felt like a Resident Evil movie. Doom did. Yeah, the, I think I think with the Resident Evil movies, it was the third one that kind of jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not the five after. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't think... see the most of those, but uh, I enjoyed the first one. 
overall, no one does a good job. I mean, you've got all of these other movies that like never really did well. They did a Hitman movie. Um, that no, they no, did a couple of they've movies. done two Hitman movies. Seriously? Yes. Oh, there was a Max Payne movie. Mm. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. That was um, that Wahlberg. That Double was Mark Dragon Wahlberg from '94. Oh, with the Wayans uh, Brothers. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, no, no, no. You're thinking. A... You're thinking of Dungeons and Dragons that had a Wayans brother in it. Double Dragon that's... had uh, uh, Scott Wolf in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they couldn't even do Double Dragon movie right. That that had nothing to do with the video game other than the name. Well, see, this uh, is... the, the I mean, there's Rampage and of course Detective Pikachu. What about Wing Commander? No, I that wasn't very that. good. Oh, I, I enjoyed it. it. I don't think it was very like oh, no. legitimate to the story of any of the many storylines that existed in that giant series. Um, you know, it was. Just... We're going to take a few actors, put them in a, you know, poorly written thing and have some fun special effects. And they went with good enough names that there was some chemistry. Yeah, but my one complaint with Wing Commander is the fact that you had Mark Hamill in your game. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have him in the movie. Like, yeah. We had to make on. room for Freddie Prince Jr. And Matthew Lillard. <laughs> there, you had to you had to budget somewhere. <laughs> so you're saying Scooby-Doo is not the only time they work together? <laughs> no, apparently Surprisingly- not. <laughs> I mean, in that movie, cost thirty and grossed eleven. <laughs> so, I, I, it would actually be interesting to see if anyone has ever made real money on any of these. Well, I think here's the problem. So, when you're making a movie based on a video game, immediately what you what you're thinking as a movie executive is like, we've got a built-in audience for this, right? You got fans of the video game; they're going to show up for the movie. The problem is that they think they're going to show up no matter what the movie is. So they don't have to. They don't have to stick to the story. They'll throw in some fan service, maybe, but for the most part, they're like, "No, we can just do whatever we want." And that's those are the ones that are no good. Like the the, the adaptations, in my opinion, that are watchable, that are decent. Your Mortal Kombat, your first, you know, the first Resident Evil. This movie is because they at least try to capture the spirit of the game. I think, you know, even like the. The Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter, while it had basically nothing to do with the game itself, has some watchability to it, mostly because of Raul Julia. But mm-hmm. it was <laughs> it was just it was trying to be fun, and I think a video game adaptation should be fun. Uh, it that was, was a Tuesday. It also made money. That is one of the few I'm, I'm, I'm yeah you know plowing through these real quick, and like Ooh. that one actually made double its money worldwide. Yeah, Mortal Kombat is an enjoyable movie because they don't. They, they don't take themselves too seriously, but they're earnest in what they're doing. That was my problem with Super Mario Brothers, was it was made by people who had no respect for the source material. They just wanted to make whatever movie they wanted to make and then slap a name on it. And this, yeah. Doom doesn't go that far, I don't think. I think it did no, capture it, some of the it, spirit It doesn't of end it. up with the, the leads of the movie drinking so heavily when they're off camera that <laughs> you're surprised the movie even finished got made. There's they, that. They finish making the movie. You know, it's just. But even like some of Uwe Boll's adaptations, and that's a such a loose term with him. But like Alone in the Dark, In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale, uh, everything Blood Rain related really has nothing to do with the games either. Like he just would get money from the German government to make movies, buy these rights <laughs> up, and go do his thing. Tax write-offs, yeah. It was all tax write-offs, so he could pay. And that's how he got the actors that he did. Because if you ever look at the cast list for In the Name of the King, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. 
Why? Because mm. his check's clear. Um, <laughs> not so much defending Uwe Boll, but he did a movie called Rampage that was not based on a video game. And it's basically, it's kind of like a falling down type renegade terror guy. Like, I, I can't remember the guy's name. It's like Sean Ashmore or one of those guys. But, like, he basically goes around, like, dealing justice, shooting people, and, like, mm-hmm. robbing places. And there's reasons that he's doing it. But it was a, it was an interesting enough movie, but it didn't really say anything. But compared to any of the rest of his movies, it stands far above all of those. Yeah, but, but that's... that's... The Rampage video game series. Right. We keep and... mentioning Falling Down, and now I feel like I need to watch that movie again. Yeah. Oh, it's well, a classic, yeah. You know, it. The I've heard about the Rampage movie, and I think they've made even some sequels to it. But honestly, saying that Rampage for an Uwe Boll movie is good is kind of like saying that uh, Kevin Smith directed a really good action scene. Like, it's just not his thing. I saw Cop Out. <laughs> so did I. Where was the action scene? I missed it. <laughs> but, no, I, I, I just... Yeah. I just... For as much as we can pan Doom, and it definitely has tons of faults and lots of warts and some really just hacked writing and and all that it's still at the end of the day like i've watched this movie more than one time and because there's some enjoyment i can get out of it i have no desire to ever watch miami vice again which is what we watched last week because it just bored me and it gave me nothing it had no joy to it at all this at least had some joy made some really really bad jokes or you know, it, the first person sequence to it was was pretty groundbreaking for its time. There really wasn't <laughs> anything that had been like that in a movie. And yeah. what was it? Five years later, six years later, you had Hardcore Henry, which is basically that sequence as an entire movie. The whole movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. I um, still haven't seen that. But we also live in an era with like body cams and stuff. So like, they probably could have redone Doom much better if they had had like a GoPro. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. But when you think about what they did, what they accomplished in 2005, you know, probably filming it in 2004, uh, it's pretty impressive. And it's it's enjoyable because it, may, it, it gives you the feeling of your, like, I'm at a video game movie and now I've got the feeling that I'm watching a video game in a way. I felt, the, when I saw it in the theater, I felt like that. When I saw it today, watching it for the podcast, I felt like I was at a country fair funhouse. Because <laughs> it was like, turn the corner. Ah, yeah. Turn the- well and i think that's yeah and a lot of that is that benefit of hindsight like for you know i mean aj how did how did that sequence seem to you having seen it for the first time just now i thought it was interesting to go ahead and do it that way it would you know change the pace um kind of felt like uh i don't know it kind of felt like a a four a four act play you know the first (laughs) one was leading up to everything going wrong then there's the establishing what's going wrong and what are the monsters and then we've got him you know shooting everything in that first person style and you know then we have this last little bit where he and the rock fight it was it was interesting that they broke it up a little bit you know what different on the style but you know i'm not sure it would have you could have done that much longer without it getting monotonous it did definitely kind of stretch how long i could handle it watching it again I remember really enjoying it in the theater, and this time around, idea. yeah, this time around, I do, I do feel like had it gone much longer, I wouldn't have enjoyed it a whole lot. But it also, you know, made me remember my thoughts when I saw it in the theater. 
I just think I think that there you know there's merit to this movie. And obviously, when you have the Rock in a movie, you, you're already setting yourself up for at least something somewhat enjoyable because that man has charisma with its own charisma. It's mm. yep. it's kind His of charisma score has its own charisma score. Yeah, yeah. it's not <laughs> right. <His> eyebrow. <laughs> it, it's almost unfair how charismatic that man is, uh, and he can he can elevate material like this because of who he is, and he's playing a bad guy. Which, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays you wouldn't think of him playing that kind of a character. Like, he might play an anti-hero, but he's a straight-up bad dude in this. Um, well, he's he's a bad dude who's strictly adhering to his mission. So, in a sense, you can kind of side with him, but you're also, oh, no, he crossed a line. He just shot somebody with zero hesitation. Okay, yeah. maybe maybe he is bad. Oh, he just killed everybody, damn it. Yeah, but he's also now infected and turning into a monster. But right, um, so I did see. I saw a piece of trivia about how uh, him that twist that he kind of becomes a villain in this um, was like a big thing. But apparently, like he gets nauseous trying to play these games, hmm. like the the gore and like the amount of violence in it. I don't know what it was specifically, but it was saying that like he can't play these games for more than like ten fifteen minutes before he gets sick. But then he like plays the bad kill everybody guy huh that's kind of weird <laughs> well it's also i think that also kind of shows you that he's willing to actually put effort into something and you know he, the games playing the games might you know cause him to get ill but he's still going to try and you know absorb the source material and get a feel for what his character should be yeah i can see that i i think i mean he was fine in it um i did there was a lot of like the the story, and it's really hard to say there was a story in this movie um, <laughs> at all. But arguably, it, it had more of a story than Miami Vice. No, that's true. That's I will one hundred percent back you up on that. Um, but it fell apart. You know, it there was a lot of like uh, things that they would touch on and then never mention again. Um, you know, the the kid and his uh, drugs. The whatever whatever the mystery drug was that Portman gave him to calm his nerves, like they mentioned that, and then nothing ever again about it. No, no, there was a moment. To be fair, like everyone died fairly quickly. So no, well, he started to ramble. Um, oh yeah, yeah, arch, and then it, yeah, like, in the sewer with John. Yeah, he's like, oh, your di- your pupils are dilated, and then that was basically the only setup payoff that they had. Of course, his pupils are dilated. He's walking around in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> which okay, so. When you were talking about like the set design and all that, when they're first exploring and they find the doctor before he rips his ear off, like two mm-hmm. things. I'm thinking to myself, what does this? Th- this is what this place looks like when it's functioning normally. This <laughs> is the design and art style they have. Uh-huh. This is what they live with on a daily basis. Okay, sure. Also, after running around through the dark trying to chase monsters and find the scientist guy, the rock just like hits a light switch and all the lights come up. <laughs> That was, okay, and so then the rest of the movies in darkness that's again. Whole, that's, a, that's a whole trope, though. Like, I mean, I always think of X Files. You know, FBI agents. Let's go into this building. We can't wait till morning. Why? Because it wouldn't make it dark. Yeah. You know, let's not turn on the lights. Let's use a little flashlight because anyone here won't know the layout better than us. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't know of a single service, you know, tunnel or something I've ever seen that wasn't well lit, or at least attempting to be well lit, like lights. That maybe they're off, but there are lights. Yeah, and like that was like a dark sewagey tunnel in 
out, out in Mars and there's like no visibility? How is anyone supposed to fix anything? <laughs> yeah, Which I also thought was hilarious. The moment that Carl Urban's looking out the window and you hear like laughter and playing and childhood oh. memories. I'm like, you're looking at desolate Mars yeah. wasteland having a childhood flashback. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, like, it was... This does not work for me. <laughs> But that is also where their parents were supposed to have died, so... Still, that that one definitely didn't work for me. Um, you know, another thing was, like... uh a swing set out there, just, like, a little swing set <laughs> on the surface. Well, so, now so I'm he... picturing the scene from Terminator 2. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so here's a question well, for you. Mars. Oh, right. that's totally called. Never mind. So here, here's a question for you, though. So they find the Ark, right? They find it in Nevada or whatever they say, and... and was that facility there when they found the Ark, or did the first person that go through that just die in the vacuum of space because there's no real atmosphere on Mars? Like, how many people went through the Ark before they figured that out? It's just not a breathable one. Yeah. Well, but I mean, how many how many people had to go through that Ark and die before they figured that out? Is my question. In the U.S., like quite a few. Trying to actually reverse engineer this. The fact that there's an archaeological team on Mars suggests that there was something on Mars prior to Earth sending people there. They did so say I, an ancient city. Yeah, so I'm assuming that maybe this Ark was sent to Earth as like a mode for transportation, but then everything got wiped out because of the C-24 thing. I guess, yeah. But I don't know, I just, I just wonder how they, how they went through that the first time, like... Come on, stretch it a little further. Let's keep you know, stretching. Chromosome 24, yeah. Stretch and stretch. Which I did say, it was interesting. The And again, I think that, you know, in a weird way, I think the Carl Urban, um, Rosamund Pike scenes might be my favorite parts because they actually felt like a, a movie. movie. Yeah, I was going to say, they felt <laughs> <Yeah>. like a movie. <laughs> but um, when they're talking, when, when they go in and they, it's like, oh, this is Lucy and it's the skeleton of the woman holding the baby and stuff. And that's a callback to the, old skeleton that they found the prehistoric lucy skeleton anyway mm -hmm. um that whole scene is just like exposition 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 but then at the very end of it when he says you don't shield a baby from time it's like well maybe they just died of old age it's like you don't shield a baby from time i'm like that was like a really shining line in that otherwise pure exposition scene so I was like there was some quality in this movie yeah no there was definitely some some hope that uh sadly got crushed under a whole lot of bad writing um yeah. but no i i yeah. agree with you in in that those scenes did feel they felt very different uh from the rest of the movie for sure well you also had other issues like you know well there's also a weapons facility i don't know anything about a weapons facility how big is this place you know all like 150 people in this outpost on mars how do you not know that there's a weapons facility no she how mentioned not... she she knew there was a weapons facility she was uh saying that she didn't know about the experiments whether okay. you want to believe that that's true or not but, but yeah that, that's that's one thing it's like i i've kind of felt like she was saying that she didn't know but was supposed to know well she also withheld the archaeological dig from Carl Urban's character at first. Yeah. It's like you opened it. And it's like, yeah, she's she's not with she's not giving everybody the information. Maybe she didn't read read the brief. Could she be. just keeps her head down and does her thing and doesn't she listen to the screams. The she was too busy being surprised by everything. But, uh, I guess that's her blue steel though, you know. <laughs> it really like, is. You know and look, I emotion. 
I, I okay. That we'll go with that. She's I look, chose the wrong time she, to take a drink. She's <laughs> I like Rosamund Pike. She's a, she's a very so lovely I. looking woman. She's great in Gone Girl. She's great in other stuff. It's just she constantly looks like she was just like somebody just came up behind her and like grabbed her by the shoulders and scared her. Someone drew her eyebrows on a little too high, <laughs> a little too arched. I realized while I was watching this, I'm like, I really like Rosamund Pike as an actress. And then I thought back, the last three things that I've watched with her, which I had seen all of these before now anyway, but was Doom, Die Another Day, and uh, World's End. Yeah. And in all of those, I felt like she existed in a different movie than everything else <laughs> in the movie. So yeah, I'm like, you're... I like her, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like her, can't... but her agent needs to be fired. Yeah. They might just be giving her a slightly different script, you know? It's like, that could play be. your part. It's like, I don't know what's going on, and that's why she's always surprised. Well, I think outside of World's End, because I think they actually intentionally picked her for that. Um, I think this and Die Another Day, it was kind of just a filler. We need some eye candy. We need a girl in here, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. Hollywood constructed a movie. But, like, Gone Girl, like, she was utilized better in that. That's a really good point, yeah. So I think this was just like her working her way up to better roles. <laughs> this was sure. a paycheck for yet another house. Which yes. one of us wouldn't go ahead and take the worst role in a movie for, to buy another house? Come on. Yeah, I certainly it, would. It's why many good actors are in crap. It's because it's a big enough check. And look at Nicolas Cage. <laughs> very we'll true. Very, very true. Um, so... Uh, a little bit of trivia. Um, there were two working or uh, working versions of the BFG um, for the movie. Um, Dwayne Johnson kept them both. I saw so. that, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of mean. I think one, I get both. I don't know. Okay, Do you... so there were a couple of nice little nods also. I, and I'll let you get to your point, so don't forget it. But uh, I did oh, yeah. like the different colored key cards that they would use. Um I like that the locker where they stored the BFG is designated IDKFA, which was the cheat to cheat get code. the cheat code to get everything. Um, so, okay, go ahead. Ah, crap! <laughs> <laughs> You're I, like, on. I was holding it, and then I'm like, oh, "It's gone." Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll remember it later. Um, they took 14 days to shoot that first person sequence. Yeah, and it's weird. I didn't notice cuts the first time I watched it in the theater, but watching it now, I'm like, oh, there's very clearly cuts. And it's not just, like, swish pans cutting in in movement. Like, there's straight-up cuts. Yeah, I noticed that, too. You know, I we so we saw the um, unrated version of this. Um, it was just slightly different from the theatrical. and Really, it just added a couple of shots. Like, the shot of uh, Pinky's legs um, was not in the theatrical. Um, <laughs> there's like one or two other lines of dialogue and the, the naked woman wasn't in the theatrical version. Um, but, uh, it was a naked woman. I don't remember. A naked oh, you watched, woman. you watched, so you actually saw the, the theatrical cause you said you watched it on stars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the version that I had, it was the unrated director's cut or oh. whatever. And there's a scene in that where Portman and the kid find a woman in like a locker room and she just, she's it's the, it was the woman who lost her arm. Yeah, so the, the arm beginning. that Carmack has that he's chewing oh, okay. on, it's her. She's just standing in like a locker room naked 
and they walk up behind her, and then she turns around, and she's got, like, kind of demon face going. Like, she's starting to turn, and then she rushes them, they shoot her, and that's it. But it's like, uh, I can see why they cut that, because it, for one, it didn't fit. Like, it messed up the, the pacing, and it was just there to probably keep the R rating. That's a whole day of makeup for that woman, though. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it, it did end up uh, allowing the creeper guy and the kid to kind of, you know, more establish, you know, that they're the creeper guy and the kid. But, yeah. The kid's sitting there staring at the tits. Um, <laughs> and so um, is the creeper, but. Yeah, yeah. In a different way. Well, yeah. yeah. I guess from an acting perspective, they didn't nail that because the kid, you know, looked like, you know, a, a kid at Christmas and the creeper guy just looked creepy. That, that just like, oh, oh, oh. Um, apparently Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright were asked to polish up dialogue for the movie and turned it down. I don't know if I believe that or not, but I, I believe that even if they, if they were offered it, they turned it down. I can believe that, but I don't know if they were ever even offered it. Um, mm. Rosamund Pike was almost Rita Skeeter in Goblet of Fire, but she turned that down to work on this. Probably and not a great career move. One other movie. There was another movie that. Was oh, also she. On there. Yeah, she also worked on Pride and Prejudice the same year. Yeah, because I was like, if it was just for this, but Pride and Prejudice, okay, maybe. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, there were scenes cut because of intense graphic violence. Um, all right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this was in. this was an R-rated <laughs> movie. Tell them what it was about. No, it just, that's all it says. That's why, like, IMDb trivia can be pretty useless sometimes. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to it's read like the one where it says Arnold Schwarzenegger was, you know, offered the role. Yeah. I remembered my point that I was going to add. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you mentioned The Rock with the two BFGs from the movie and stuff. And I'm thinking, like, who is the main character in this movie? Is it The Rock or is it Carl Urban? Because I feel like the split protagonist, do you think the movie would have done better if they had just mel- melded them into one person, one character, or do you think it works better with the two individual characters? Because it feels like I didn't really care for either. The, the Rock was charismatic, but I honestly cared more for Carl Urban. But they really did nothing with him except the emotional carrying through the movie. Yeah. No, I think... Okay, so I think if they didn't try to kind of... They they tried to play off like Sarge is going to be the protagonist at the beginning of the movie, and that was a lot of the um, marketing for the movie made you think that as well. Mm. So, but definitely watching it, I mean, I knew it in the theater when I saw it the first time, and I definitely you know feel it every other time that I watch it. It's like he's not the protagonist is clearly Carl Urban's character, but you're right. Other than being connected to Sam, like he doesn't have much else to do. So I think had they not split the focus, like let let the Rock be um, Sarge, let him be you know the guy that turns, but I don't know, not maybe not try to make it seem like he's a protagonist at all, because I do think that takes away from both of them in the end. Um, because or if they had swapped Reaper and Sarge's uh, positions, like uh, hier- hierarchy or whatever that like if if carl urban had been in charge of the team and it was like we got to go back to mars and the rock was like right on his heels like we were both up for this promotion but you got it like that would kind of work better i think i you know what you're probably you've got a, a good point there i think that that would have made it more interesting to have carl urban be the commanding officer um and now you've got somebody because then you can kind of add a, a little bit of a mutinous thing to it where 
The Rock feels yeah. like he should have been. Um, that's, you know, obviously that's creating backstory and we're putting more thought into it than they did. But um, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't allowed during the writing of this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna take a quick second to plug. A, I saw a video on YouTube by this girl, Lindsay Ellis. She does like these essays. And she oh, yeah, she's great. Really, yeah, she did a video about how um, Robin Williams in Aladdin kind of like ruined voice acting jobs or uh, the title of it is how Aladdin changed animation by screwing over Robin Williams. And it's basically like before Aladdin, you didn't have big names doing voices. It was kind of just, you saw the movie and whatever. And when you mentioned the other doom movie coming out, that's what made me think of this. Like there are a bunch of nobodies. Maybe it'll be better. Maybe, maybe not now actually, but thinking of this, I'm like, Oh, you get your poster. You get your The Rock. You get your Carl Urban. You got your Rosamund Pike. Like, oh, these are names. We know names. Although, now to be fair, yeah. But to be fair, in two thousand five, in two thousand five, Rosamund Pike was not a name yet, and Carl Urban. She'd been a Bond girl by then. She'd been a Bond girl, but that's it. And Carl Urban had been in Lord of the Rings, and so I recognized him from that. But yeah. most people didn't the know Rock. who he was. But The Rock the was Rock is the genie of this movie. Yes. <laughs> yep. And it is it is a bit of stunt casting. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting idea to have your most well-known person end up being, you know, pretty much the the antagonist in a sneaky way, but they didn't execute it very well. Sometimes I feel that it's better to have the villain be the more interesting character or the bigger name. It just Well, the villain so is I... often the more interesting character. I mean, let's be yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's you what know. sucks about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that you get these big names doing these awesome villain roles. And it's like, we can't ever use them again. <laughs> we've we've dispatched them. Okay. Yeah. Well, I we've got to move on now. <laughs> you know, with the exception of bringing Loki back and, and the way his character is. Yeah. Like, for the most part, yeah, you can't really bring them back. And that is tough because their villains. never going to come back. You know? Right. And their villains got so much better as they went mm. on. Um. Well, uh, you know, I think we've kind of drove Doom into the ground, and there's not a whole lot more we can say about it. And if we keep going, we're just going to keep talking about because we spent half of this talking about other stuff anyway. That tells you that that really does tell you a lot about this movie. I I've seen it a couple of times now. I don't dislike watching it, but it's definitely not like memorable. I saw it in the theater. I didn't see it again for probably ten years. Um, after that, and then it was like, oh, it's, I, somebody mentioned Doom, and I'm like, I remember that movie. I remember kind of liking it, and I sat down and watched it. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that was a movie. Um, it's still, like I say, better than Miami Vice, and I'll watch it every day if, <laughs> if I get that choice. I, but If you have to choose between the two, definitely. As someone who watched this for the first time, and in the way you guys are describing it, I, I completely agree, and I think I would classify this movie as like made-for-TBS rerun. If you remember growing up before we all had streaming everything, you would catch like usually TBS, sometimes sci-fi, you know, they would like have nothing to air for giant chunks. And so they'd throw on these edited movies. This feels like one of those that you would sit down and go, oh, okay, it's on. I'll watch it. Yeah. This Rainy is Saturday afternoon. Yeah. This yeah. is your Saturday yeah. afternoon that, movie. Yeah. It, it, it didn't quite feel HBO, but it definitely felt, I don't know, Showtime maybe. Yeah. No, I. Sticking with TBS. I absolutely could see this as like your Saturday afternoon, you know, matinee on cable type movie. Like you edit a few things out and and yeah, 100%. That's a pretty good description of this. 
if you do if you do the bad um redub edits for the profanities then yeah i could see that on something you know like oh it's on usa cool well and by the way speaking of that there was some pretty poor adr in some parts of this movie and this i have one clip i want to play because this has two things in it it has angry acting and it has bad adr in the same clip so you'll probably know which part i'm talking about or you'll remember this but this so angry acting and really really horrible adr back to back because uh, there's no way these two people were in the same room when they said these lines. It was his first mission! And it's not going to be my last. <laughs> the, the, the Rock was in a, definitely in a radio booth, whereas Carl Urban is <laughs> yeah. screaming at the top of his lungs in, like, uh, a tin can. <laughs> that That's a mismatch, definitely. Mm. It, it you was... know, um, I know we've, we've, we've talked it into the ground. I'm thinking now... Carl Urban's character, he was a, it was a believable performance. Like I felt what he was feeling in all those moments, but thinking about it, he didn't really make use of any of his agency. And the fact that the whole first person sequence only happened because she injected him with the C24. It's like, what did he actually do in this movie? (laughs) Well, to an extent though, I think that was who the character was supposed to be because at this point he, because you know he talks about oh I've done some bad things. He's not like he's not super thrilled with what he does. I think anymore. I I want to say that's kind of the the tone they were trying to get across. Almost like he's not remorseful of the the path that he's chosen in life, but he's now having memories of his childhood. And I don't know. Maybe I'm reading way too much into that. But that's kind of what I felt there. And like that C twenty four was the the kick in the pants that he needed to kind of be more than he had been well you know i I think chromosome to him didn't it i was just adding the chromosome yeah the 24th chromosome yes there's there's something i've been meaning to say um one thing is that when they're when they're walking around with their weapons or shooting their weapons it's it a lot of movies don't pay enough attention to how they work and you'll see the guy shooting an automatic weapon with the stock under his you know, in under his shoulder instead of like braced against his shoulder. I didn't see any of that. But the um but the other thing was that the first person sequence, it really made it so they could do a chainsaw attack without <laughs> there having to be some big clunky bad prop. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm thinking now the the beginning when they the talking guns or actually mm-hmm. when they met up with Pinky and then it's like, okay, on three. And then they all aim their guns at each other. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that they... was pretty bad. I'm like, what? The... Well, no, you it's don't. Because it was, they, Pinky was checking their scopes and their cameras to make sure that they're all picking up. But then I'm thinking back. I'm like, I don't think that ever came up again in the movie. Because um, anything else was like their little communicator devices. Yeah, they they tried to say a couple of times like, oh, Portman, you know, I'm I'm not getting anything on Portman's cam. Or his gun cam or whatever, um, but no, they didn't really. That was that was a poorly like thought out and not well executed plot point that they just sort of let die on the vine. Like they just kind of forgot gonna, about it. Maybe they were going to use that for the first person, but then they were like, "Oh, we have to see the gun." Yeah, <laughs> then it's like the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're probably not. Right, you're say, probably not far off there, by the way. 
Um, you guys, you guys haven't like established like a rating system. Like, you don't do a would you give this a one to ten or whatever. Like, we haven't done that yet, have we? Um, no, not really. But I'm, I'm certainly open to it. I'm just um, this. This I, movie I, feels like a five and a half to me. Just like I, I would personally give this three and a half monkeys and one and a half cups of coffee. <laughs> so we're going that route, okay? Yeah, I, mean, you know. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I, I'm missing a frame of reference. For yeah, that. me too. Here, night no, monkey? you're not. How many no, night monkeys is... do you give it? <laughs> on a no, scale, just... on, a, on a scale of one, okay, one to giraffe, uh, how many <laughs> bananas would you give this? Exactly seven uh-huh. crackers. Gotcha. Yes, zero because ice cream doesn't have bones in it. Yeah. No, but I just it, this movie isn't bad enough to be a B movie, but it's not good enough to be like a good. It's watchable. Yes. Yeah. No, that's it's exactly what this is. Yeah, it is the it's guilty like pleasure. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's good enough to graduate, but it's not good enough to get into a good college. It's at the bare minimum. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a good way to put it. It's going to yeah. flunk out of junior junior college. You know, that's okay. We accept it. Sure. Um, yeah. No, I, you know, that's that's what this movie is, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need movies like that. I I enjoy having you know. We've talked about yeah. a few movies on this show that are that. Running Scared, for me, you know, even though I, I said during the episode that we watched that, like, I know that I'm too close to it from a nostalgia purpose, but it's enjoyable, fun movie. But it doesn't, it, it's not, I, I objectively can say that it's not a great film, but it's a fun movie. And Do they call it, like, a potato chip movie or a pop? I mean, not, there's a popcorn movie, but, like, I think my friend's dad talks about like the Jack Reacher books being potato chip novels. Like, yeah, I can eat them. Or I can I, not eat them, but I can get through them and there's no nutritional value and I don't retain anything, but it was a fun snack. Yeah, no, nope, that's a good way to put it. And I think that's what this movie is in the end. Like I did have yeah. a fun time watching it. It was cool to sit and see, you know, with Keith and have him enjoy it for the first time. And he didn't hate oh, yeah. it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really felt like, you know, like I said, this is, this is the new Schwarzenegger um, action movie. Okay, cool. I know what I'm in for. I know how to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And sit down and enjoy. Yeah, if this movie had been made 15 years earlier, it was going to have Schwarzenegger or Stallone in it. Al Leong was going to have a small part in there somewhere. Um, or 15 years later, given that Arnold's going to make an appearance in the next Terminator film again. True. Oh, but uh, yeah, no. So, you know, that's Doom. Doom in a nutshell. I think we all can agree it's worth a watch. Um, that's been kind of like our rating system is like, would you watch it again or not? Uh, I I would watch it again. I'm not going to seek it out and like, oh, I've, you know, I watch it every year, or every few years. But like if somebody's like, hey, we're going to watch Doom. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, I think you need movie. You need entertainment like this. Um, out there, just something that's fun to throw on in the background or watch on a rainy day. Mm. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining uh, me this week. So we put this show out every week. Um, we put them out every Saturday, and uh, you can find us at tvstravis.com uh, because, like I said last week, I have a huge ego, and so it's all got to be about me. Um, but, uh, no, tvstravis.com is the website to find the, the show. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on... Um, we're on Google Podcasts. If you can get onto like Apple Podcasts and give us a rating, um, that helps us out a ton. Uh, and we'll keep putting uh, putting shows out for you guys. Um, I have 
some fun stuff lined up for the next few episodes. Uh, we're going to have some fun with that. Um, we're going to celebrate August as Nicolas Cage month. So be, be on the ready for that. Um, I want to try and catch the, the width and breadth of the Nicolas Cage experience. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, in the meantime, I do want to thank all of you for joining me. Um, so thank you, AJ. Always glad to be a, be a part of this. <laughs> thank you, Christina. No problem. Remember, it's always about Travis. Yes. Uh, thank you, Josh. Happy to be here. Always enjoyable. <laughs> and last but not least, thank you, Keith. Ah, helps if I turn my mute button off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem at all. All right, and uh, until next week when we start our journey into the uh, the abyss that is Nicolas Cage, um, this has been Wait You Haven't Seen. And, um, you know, you really should try to enjoy your movies because what else is there really to do?